Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of our Unsolved Podcast. In this episode, we're diving into a John Doe case from Trout Lake in the eastern Upper Peninsula. State police have been trying to identify him since November 11th of 1966, when hunters first made the discovery. We sat down with Detective Sergeant Gary Demers from the Michigan State Police St. Ignace Post to talk about the case. You have some hunters in the Trout Lake area of Chippewa County back in 1966 found human remains that had clearly been drugged uh, and hidden underneath the tree. The troopers originally arrived on scene and found what they believe to be a white male uh, that has deceased from a number of apparent gunshots. So not just a single gunshot, there were multiple That's correct. Multiple shots. Yep. With him. Yep. An autopsy was conducted and it was clear that multiple gunshots were the cause of death. The individual, they did dental work for the individual. They, back in 1966, there was no DNA. So it's not like it is today. So their first attempts to, in any homicide case, is to try to identify the victim. Numerous attempts through years of work were unsuccessful and able to identify this John Doe victim of homicide. Eventually the case went cold, a number of tips were called in and run down that did not um, reveal the identity of John Doe. And eventually he, the case went cold. There's, and there were some things that were found with him, some kind of his personal effects that maybe pointed in one direction or the other on this guy's identity. Can you talk at all about what was found with him that maybe you know, lent some clues to who he was or where he was from, yep. potentially? In his pockets uh, was a number of coins, uh, both some American and some Canadian coins that were found upon his person. Also a set of keys with a leather, like a leather keychain hasp were found in his pocket. Uh, his clothing led investigators to believe at the time that possibly he may have come from an area of farm country, kind of like a Western style of clothing that was found upon his person. Um, but again, all, all leads, all information, all tips were unable to eventually provide evidence as to who this person was. He was found on November 15th, I believe, opening day deer season. Of rifle season. Up, up there. Was there any indication about how long he had potentially been in the area, or at least his remains had um, been in the area. That's kind of part of the mystery I know with this case too, is right. just how long had he been there? Right, the remains were fairly decomposed. Um, so as far as the timeline, I'm not sure, but it was a significant enough amount of time to cause almost a complete decomposition of his remains. There was a sketch developed too. There was. Of him, and when, there might be some people watching and say, how does this happen? You go for so many years and nobody says, hey, that looks like a person of, a family member that looks like my friend, how do sometimes you have 40, 50 years pass and just no one's able to connect the dots sometimes on these cases? <laughs> yeah, that's been a mystery for us as well. It's almost unimaginable to believe at some point, especially with different online websites with NamUs and things like that, that someone's not searching for some other missing family members that would have connected those dots. Every once in a while, every couple of years, we'll get a phone call to try to match it up with a potential unidentified person in NamUs, but we've never been able to make that match yet. He's remained a John Doe since 1966. He has. And then there was kind of another challenge with this case as far as the physical evidence that sets the investigation back. That's a correct. A little bit to talk about what happened in that regard. You know, it was our desire to do an exhumation of the remains to be able to then complete some DNA work, possibly some forensic genetic genealogy work, in an attempt to identify this individual. During those efforts, we were advised that the cemetery that he was buried in, in 1967, downstate, had a flood of their 
a water flood inside their records department and destroyed the section of records where his burial was recorded. So we have identified the cemetery that he's buried in downstate but are unable to determine exactly which plot he's in to do an exhumation to then begin our DNA work. And that really, I don't want to say makes it impossible, but that, that's a big hurdle to overcome. It's a very big hurdle to overcome. We do have dental records. We did, did do dental examinations and have those records. So if a person who is named to us has information from a dental office, we would be able to match up those dental records. But as far as DNA work, until the flooded records are recovered, uh, there's nothing that we can do with the body. There's a lot of, a lot of questions with this, aren't there? There's a lot of questions. There's information that back in those times there were kind of uh, groups of individuals that worked for logging companies that would kind of travel around the Upper Peninsula. There were logging companies that were working in that area at that time that had workers from out of the area. So it was one of the working theories that it was an individual from a logging company mm. that had passed through that area doing work that may have been killed and left behind. But there's nothing to prove definitively that's no. you know, what happened. There's just so many questions that's right. With, with this case. Yep, and just no one's come forward to report somebody missing that we can finally match it up to. When you think about that, that's not kind of sad. That is sad. It is. It's absolutely know. sad that there's an individual that's gone unclaimed and there's a family somewhere that's missing a family member. And because we can't really locate where the remains are buried, we can't put the two together. If you have any information on this Chippewa County John Doe, contact Michigan State Police in St. Ignace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved. Stay tuned as we dive into more unsolved mysteries from across northern Michigan. For 9 in 10 News, I'm David Lydon.